0: I'm, I'm grateful for the worship team, because like, I just basically say, here's where we're going, and I usually do it six months in advance, so this series, Open Hands, was really put in the books back in May, June, and today, I actually was speaking on, and you can see it in the program, so I didn't let them know, because I didn't know in time with this week that we've had, I was actually going to speak on the, the Earth is the Lord's which kind of fit this, but this, fits, this video fits this as well, because God has changed the direction, and so I'm speaking on open hands, but a different aspect that we're going to look at. And so we are in a church in a process of just kind of like one of the deep values that I believe will come out of our church is to live with, an op- with open hands. The idea that everything is God's, and all that we have we hold loosely And that we go where God calls us. We let go of things that we need to let go of whenever God says it's something to be let go of. And so as we've kind of been working through this, some of you who maybe knew over the last three weeks, month, few weeks, maybe today for the first time, one of our deep desires is to grow to be more like Jesus and to be more fully a follower who is learning to know him more intimately and also becoming like Him, and in doing that, we we aim to be authentic and real and true and honest, and that's what we've been working through as a church. Is to some real things that we are praying that as we go through this next Sunday, God's going to move this body to a place where it is going to be used like it never could have been used before. And uh, with that, I'm going to share with you what God laid on my heart. So it's kind of fun for me because it's fresh. It's, it's not what I was doing and studying and working on. It's just all kind of been downloaded in the last few days. So let's pray. Father, in oh, you know what? I'm going to ask you to stand just because you've been sitting long enough. And I know that if, if I have a message that I believe God wants and it's spoken to my heart, it's his desire that it move into your heart. And one of the ways that happens is to get your body and blood moving. So that's why you're standing. Besides, we're going to pray in reverence too. Father. Thank you. We stand before you, holy, good, and gracious God, as we've been singing and praising you. Because we've just come off an incredible celebration of not only this God who is great and big and, and, and sovereign, but we also have this God who has made himself known in a very intimate way through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and has given us now his Holy Spirit. We honor you, God, the triune God, and we ask you to speak in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. Thanks. So I was watching America's favorite game show the other day, and you may be wondering what that is, but you'll know it by the simple clue The Survey Says. Anyone have an idea what that game show is? Anybody? There we go. Family Feud. That's right. I just happened to catch it. I don't, it's not like a, a favorite of mine necessarily, but I was watching it while having a quick dinner. And Steve Harvey, who is the current announcer asked for the top five answers to this survey question fill in the blank knuckle blank what's the top five answers just shout out a few keep coming yeah 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 okay your time's done i I can only remember three from when i watched it knucklehead knuckleball and knuckle sandwich I remember one guy said knuckle cousin. I'm going, knuckle cousin? That's, that's, that's a popular one, but I didn't think it would make it. But anyway, now if you were to take and to fill in the blank, but what I was going to do is just reverse the order of that instead of knuckle blank, I'm going to ask you to say blank knuckle. What might you put in there? White, I heard white, good. That's kind of what I thought too. Right away, kind of white knuckle might be the, one of the top answers. As in a white knuckle ride. You ever done that? Or they experienced a white-knuckle emergency landing. Or maybe you've heard the expression, he white-knuckled his way through it. The central idea in each of those expressions is this. You grasp tightly to something due to fear, and through sheer willpower you hang on for dear life an apt description for how many of us may live our life as we move into 2015. Maybe not all of it, but maybe a specific area of your life. That God right now might be saying, as he said to me, I don't know about the white-knuckle life approach. So as we begin the new year and we begin this series called Open Hands, I, I just I want to take a few moments in what God laid in my heart is to talk about this white-knuckle approach to life. See, at one point as Jesus was traveling with his disciples and after he had asked them who people thought he was, Luke 9, chapter 18, through verse 22, Jesus asked directly, give me the top five answers. And that was, you know, who do the crowd say I am? And they gave a number of answers. Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, that one of the prophets of long ago has come back to life. See, people had all kinds of ideas who this Jesus was. And then Jesus looks them in the eye and asks them, okay, what about you? Who do you say that I am? And unbeknownst to them, I think Jesus kind of quickly changes game shows and he moves from... That uh, family feud one of the survey says to what's my line? Anybody if you're old enough, you'll remember what's my line, right? He's moved away from them saying what the survey and what the people say, and he wants to know directly what do they think? What do they think his line is? What do they think his you know, who is he? What's his identity? What am I here doing? You've been watching, you've been observing, you've been asking questions, and so now I'm asking you what do you believe? And Peter, with a sense of clarity that really can only be revealed by the Father, because Jesus says that, through the Holy Spirit, Peter gives this expression in answer, and he says, the Christ of God. And Jesus kind of smiles and lets him know, yeah, that wasn't from you, Peter. Because those kind of things that really are of this other life and world that come from God are revealed by God to hearts that are humble and open. But the Christ is an interesting word. We often just think of Jesus Christ, and, and if you're kind of just new to the faith, it almost sounds like a last name, but it isn't a last name. It literally means the Messiah in the Greek, it's the anointed one. And, and you kind of ask yourself, what does the anointed one mean? Well, then you have to go to the Old Testament. The Old Testament's really clear about what anointing is. It's the pouring out of oil in that day. And so in this sense, the anointed one was the chosen one, the one God called. And the reason he's anointed is because he is so full of the Holy Spirit that the Holy Spirit just comes out of every pore of his being. And when he's poked like a sponge, Jesus leaks the Holy Spirit. And when Jesus sees a need, he releases the Holy Spirit into it. And when he's teaching that of his heavenly Father, and he speaks with authority from God his Father and from himself, he speaks through the authority of the Holy Spirit. And when called to suffer, when he's rejected and abused and slandered and spit upon and mocked and made fun of, here's what's really cool. Jesus doesn't react in this human self-defensive way. Notice Jesus get big and scary and kind of one-up you and call down a whole legion of angels to to deal with it. Jesus, so full of the Holy Spirit, denies himself and literally takes up a cross. His cross. Ordained by his Father so that through his suffering and death others Would redeem be redeemed and healed and made whole. So Jesus actually goes on to explain this to his disciples in verse twenty-two. He says in verse twenty two, and he said, the Son of Man, and it's a very interesting statement when he says Son of Man. That's right out of Daniel. That's the most common expression of this anointed one to come. And I think he says this purposely throughout. He says, the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law. This just goes against what they might be thinking. It was a matter of him winning them over, but for some reason, as they saw it, this wasn't happening. And then he says, and he must be killed. And on the third day, raised to life. It's kind of in a surprise move, a revelation that I think they struggled to understand, and everyone in their generation does, and we still do to this day. We don't truly understand the life that God has called us to live. See, they were looking for the Daniel, the Son of Man, who will come, who will be filled with power and authority, who will rule over all people, that when people see him by the very, by the very sight of who he is, when, when all the revelation is taken away, you see God in Jesus and his fullness, you will fall on your knees and you will then be one who will just stand before him and say, please go away from me. Because this one comes, the Son of Man says, Daniel, to come. You know, authority and power to judge the world. There will be a time that will happen. Every one of us will someday stand before God. But what's interesting here is he doesn't give that description. He's not giving the Daniel description. He's given the Isaiah one, and the Isaiah one was really difficult for them to kind of put this into their reasoning and thought. It's not necessarily the kind of God they were looking for. Because this one that comes from Isaiah, often what you'll find in there is this one who is the anointed, one, the one who comes to serve to, 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 to his people is the suffering servant, is what Isaiah says. And so, in a sense, Jesus looks at Peter and goes, Good Peter, good answer. You're right. I am the anointed. I am the Messiah, the one dripping with the Holy Spirit, chosen by the Father in heaven. I have come to live open-handed. I have come. So that my life would be poured out and it would happen through suffering and serving for the sake of the kingdom, for the sake of others. I have come to reveal the heart of God. I've chose against the white knuckle approach to life of grasping and tightening my grip, controlled by fear and hanging on through this sense of self-important, self-centered pride. Even if I was justified in doing so, Peter, and all of you know that I would be, I chose to relax my grip and trust God with my entire life, my dreams, my fears, my humanity. And then Jesus turns to not just Peter, who had this flash of brilliance, but Jesus turns to all of them and invites them all to loosen their grip and let go of and let God be in control. For we read in the next verse, verse 23, he then said to all of them, and here's what I want you to know, is he then said to them all, Now, I don't believe he's speaking to the crowd here. He's speaking to his disciples and those who were closest who were hanging around with him. He was speaking to his committed followers. In the same way he's speaking to you as committed followers today. And and I think because he's speaking to them here, you're going to find that he's not talking about, here's what you need to do to lose your life so you can have eternal life, which is often a message about, you know, someday you'll get the path to heaven if you just believe in me. If you're not ashamed of me, you'll get there. But he's not talking about that. He's talking about the kind of life that God lives right now that can be ruling in you and exuding through you, and every pore of your body can begin to express the Holy Spirit. You will be able to live, as he says, in love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness. This will become transforming as God shows up in your life. But here's how you do it. He's speaking to us. He's speaking to you possibly about some area in your life right now where you're kind of white-knuckling it and saying, God, i got to control this, and, and you're afraid, and, and, and maybe it's out of willpower and pride. i got to hold on to this. And he's saying, guess what? Here's what I call you to do. Whoever wants to be my follower, my disciple, which inherently means learner, one who is humble, one who opens their hands and says, I'm open to receive, and in an opening loosens them because whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me in this year of 2015 in 16 and 17 and 18. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit catches their very self? The message puts it a bit more on the level. It says it this way. Anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat. I am. Don't run from suffering. Embrace it. Follow me and I'll show you how. Self-help is no help at all. self sacrifice is my way, is the way, my way to finding yourself, your true self. What good would it do to get everything you want and lose you, the real you? If any of you is embarrassed with me in the way I'm leading, you know that the Son of Man will be far more embarrassed with you when he arrives in all his splendor, in company with the Father and the holy angels. This isn't you realize, this is a, he's saying, this isn't a life I, you realize that I'm clung to. It's not pie in the sky by and by. I mean, that's what we will, you know what we want. You know, God, you know, call me into it and now bless me, bless my business, bless my family, make sure everything going right, and if everything's going right, yeah, I've got look at God's on my side. But strangely, the life with God that begins to loosen your grip and begin to move into God is the very life that calls out of you some of the ugliest and worst things because it sometimes gets worse before it gets better. You know, God's most and deepest desire isn't to make any one of us happy here right now. God's deepest... You know, the only thing we can bring to God, we can give to God someday is what? Is us, ourself. And he wants your true self made in his image filled with his Holy Spirit living and walking in a sense of his identity. And so he goes on and he says, you need to realize this isn't pie in the sky by and by. Some of you Some who have taken their stand right here. So he's saying some of you who have taken up your cross, some of you who are going to move into this letting go, not this white-knuckle life, are going to see it happen. This is what he's talking about. Not someday. This is not something coming. This wasn't the Daniel vision of the end time. This is right now. He's saying some of you with your own eyes will actually see the kingdom of God. What does the kingdom of God mean? It means the rule of God. It means the life of God that God himself lives living out and through you right now. You will actually see God calling you to a place where you're going to learn how how to sacrifice and learn what it means to suffer for others you're going to actually learn what it means to see God do signs and wonders and do things that amaze you because that's who God is Jesus is saying let go of holding on with a clenched fist open your hand die to self be willing to suffer deny yourself let your self interest die even your justified legitimate self interest let it go and in doing so, yes, even some of you here will see with your own eyes the rule and life of God pouring out of you. Pouring into your family. Pouring into those you love. Beginning to move you in such a way that those of you who work with that you, you just can't stand in the cubicle next to you, you all of a sudden start having a, a bit of mercy and kindness for them giving you the ability not just to be tolerant, but to actually be loving with others. You will see the rule of God in your midst, and quite possibly we might, as a whole body. If we choose, not the white-knuckled approach, but open hands that says, God, everything's yours. It's all on the table. As long as it's according to you, Jesus, the word and your word, And in line with the way your spirit is moving We want you more than anything else Anybody want to say that? We want you more than anything else This morning as Jesus has been challenging me Over these number of months And has been challenging me in some very deep ways Over the past month It may be that Jesus through his word And through his spirit might be challenging you to really take an examination at what you're holding on to and loosen your grip and let him have control of that. He might be saying, Open your hands. And for you know that to happen, you have to ask a, a question prior to that. You have to ask this question What are you holding on to so tightly? Is there there some area in your life there's something you're just holding on to and you're grabbing and and you know it's kind of white-knuckled? Now, if you're having trouble knowing what that is, if you're married, just ask the person you're married to. Some of you whose kids are old enough, just ask your kids. Some of you who have deep friendships with others, just ask them. Because sometimes the things that are really, we're white-knuckling, we, we just don't even see. We've lived with them for so long. They, they sometimes come out of the deep hurts of our life, and they come out of those kind of wounds, and, and, and they come out of places where we now have formed through our life some dreams, and we have some strategies to get the kind of things that we want. And, and, and we, we, we find ourselves, sometimes God's coming, and he may be doing that right now, saying, loosen your grip. So as we enter into 2015, what have you gripped so tightly that your knuckles are turning white? Where are you living with this white knuckle approach to life? So here's some areas that Jesus has been kind of, boy, kind of moving in my life in. I, I, I actually wrote here, here are some areas in my life where the Holy Spirit has put his arm around my shoulder. I, I used to say, and had this image of God coming to me, and Jesus kind of like putting his hand on my, you know, here are some areas I want you to deal with. And, and over the years, as I've read God's word, and I've got to know my, my father, as you walk with him, it's not, it's, let me just tell you, if you're in a position, you're white knuckle on something, even if you're doing something that you kind of, in your heart, I know i got to let it go. Jesus doesn't come to you and go, yeah, like this. Now, if you're standing like this to God saying, God, forget it, no way, and it's high-handed, yeah, he'll probably come and do what needs to, he has the ways of figuring out how to get you to cry uncle. But my guess is if you're in one of those positions where your hands are really tight and your knuckles are really white, he might just have his arm around your shoulder right now going, you know, ah, man, life could be so much better if you just kind of let go and give it to me. Why is that a free life? could be so good if you just... We just let go and say, God, just you take care of this. We want you, Jesus. Some of the areas, and before I do that, I just need to say this passage of Scripture is interesting because he doesn't use the word life here in the word... He's not using the word bias, which is physical life, and he's not using the word we've talked about from time to time, zoe, which is the life that God himself has, that eternal life. And, and we use the word eternal life, but it really... Is a little, I, it just doesn't really capture it the way it should. Eternal life is both quantity of life that you can have right now and quality, I mean, quality of life you can have right now and quantity forever. But that's not, the word he uses is suke, it's the word for soul. It's, it's, it's this all encompassing word, it's, it's, it's a word that's not used too often today. We might sing it in some of our songs, it's becoming more popular again. But there are some whole loaders in, in, in actual life. In fact, when, when a plane goes down, in fact, the AirAsia Flight 8501, which they refer to as having 155 passengers and 7 crew members, do you know what they say on the roster? There were, were 162 lost souls. Because the soul encompasses your whole entire life. That's what he's talking about. He's talking about, he, he wants your heart, which is both your, your, your will and your spirit which then he wants your mind which talks about your your thoughts and your feelings and then he goes broader than that he wants your body because your body is what allows you through this life in this time for this period which you live to be able to carry out the will of God through his spirit and then and then he talks about soul Soul souls even greater than that it's it's all the things in your life that you ever had all the memories all the things that you've experienced he wants that whole thing and so there's three areas he's spoken to me about. He says, open your hands, Kevin, loosen your grip, and give God your brokenness. And a lot of times your brokenness, my brokenness, is tied to things that have been either hurt in my past or wounds that I've had that, that cause for self-protection, and there's a brokenness. I, I, I read these words from another mature and godly leader. He writes, I have found that no matter who we are and how much we love Jesus, there's still a broken area in our life that God is yet Working on. I, I, I like those words because I found that in deeper ways These past few years and months God is continually working on some areas in my life that are broken And it's really nice to admit that out loud I haven't arrived yet I haven't got my stuff together yet and every once in a while, I just say this in the church, I think it's a good thing to do. Look at one another. Because you all know, look, at, just take a look at one another before I even tell you what to do. Because last time I did this, I told you first, and then they went look. <laughs> okay, so look at one another. They look really good. They look well-dressed. They look, doesn't everybody look like they got their act together? Okay, no one does. I, what I would like you to do is turn to someone and just say, you don't have your act together. Come on, do it. Come on, do it. Just turn to somebody you don't have your act together. Okay. I, I did this. This is an exercise for us to recognize that God's okay with that. Because we don't come to God with our act together we come to God with brokenness in our lives and one of the things he wants us to bring to him in 2015 are those places where we have through our own sin, through our own choices think about it, where you've messed up or maybe you don't even realize you've messed up because you have some self-protective things going on because of wounds that you've had and it's maybe kept some things apart in a relationship If you really love this person but you just are afraid of it, or whatever it might be there's just certain things going on and it's maybe messed up some things that you wanted in your work world and God is saying, guess what I love you so much. Give me your brokenness. Be a kind of church that's willing to be authentic and real and say, guess what? We don't have our stuff together. It's okay. Come as you are. We're not expecting you to clean up or to be something different. We're we're expecting you to come as who you are and let God do that work in your life. And so as I come to 2015, God is dealing with some things in my life where where there's things, you know, it's really funny, things that I thought I dealt with a while back. Isn't it funny? Growth is like this. It's like going up this hill. And you go, boy, I dealt with this here. And all of a sudden you go up again, and you go, I'm here again? And he just says, give it to him. Be the kind of community, be the kind of person that reveals God in your humility because you're able to admit your brokenness is something God needs to deal with normal is only a setting on the washing machine none of us are normal in that sense of the word we're all broken one title of a book in in its its title line is great everyone's normal till you get to know them right about everybody, everybody, oh, they're pretty normal and then you get to know and you go wow they're pretty insecure about this look at that, that and this they're a little weird even Paul who was as spiritually together as any probably person in the Bible it says in Philippians chapter 312 he goes at one point that he's giving everything for God and he says now I'm saying this not that I have it all together or that I've made it by no means I count myself an expert in all this but I just keep my eye on the goal which is Jesus some of you have heard the verse in maybe the NIV where it says not that I've already obtained all this or been made perfect but there's one thing I do I forget what's behind and strain forward to what's ahead I just give God my brokenness I said, God I need you to heal this do you need God to heal something in your life? do you want to go through 2015 white knuckling it or do you want to say God I release it to you right now? there's another area that God's been dealing with in my life and it's, it's your dreams. Think about it. What are your dreams? I really am a believer that God calls us to dream. That's one of the things I know he's placed in my heart. And, and I find it interesting that God does like to use dreamers. He likes practical people too, so I'm not telling you that. He likes really pragmatic people. He needs them both. But he uses dreamers. He uses people like Abraham, who, who one day goes outside his little tent, and he's thinking, and God goes, I'm calling you over here. And he dreams about where he's going. And I, I'm sure he's thinking, you know what, man, this city's not so good. I'm going to this great place. Can you imagine his dreams? And at one point he looks up at the stars and the skies and, and God says, I'm giving you all these nations. And he has this dream of what God says is going to happen in his life. And he's going after it. Some of you have dreams that God has placed in your heart and he's calling you after it. I believe he has a dream for this body and he's calling us after it. Jacob was a dreamer. He swindled and did all this stuff with his brother and then he has to run from him and he's at one night afraid because he's leaving the God of his land. He's on the outskirts of it and he has his dream and in his dream is this, this ladder all the way, this staircase all the way to heaven and he begins to see, God said, guess what? I'm with you. Heaven is kind of being open to you. This is before he changed in many ways. And and Joseph, what a dreamer, a little kid. He's going around telling everybody his dreams. And then all of a sudden, in their dreams, God comes and changes plans. And then every one of them, think about it. God changes plans. God leads them to this land where you're kind of going, whoa, a bunch of nomads. And he's 60, 70, Abraham is, 80 years, and there's no fulfillment in the dream, and it seems to be a change of plans. So, you know, Abraham's going to help him out. Because we do that when when our dream isn't as God placed in our heart coming the way we kind of want to help them out, and then you have, you know, you have what happens with um, Mary and Joseph. You know, talk about dreamers. They, Mary was probably as a little girl, 13 years of age, praying, God, oh God, I want to be used by you, and may one of my children be really used of you. And God comes to her an angel, and he goes, Guess what? You'll be used. And she goes, Oh, that's really cool. And instead of having a marriage the way she had dreamed and her parents had dreamed, and instead of having the firstborn the way it would be, and instead of moving into one of the suburban houses in Nazareth, God changes plans. Here's what you need to know God's dream is still there in the heart, but sometimes He changes plans, but He never changes His purpose or His promise. He's just going to do it in the way that he wants it done and whenever he does it in his way and you submit to it and you loosen the grip and you open your hand and you recognize it's his dream, it's his that he gave you, he will bring it about. Guess what? It's always bigger. It's much greater. It's, you stand back and go, wow. But i got to share with you, when you go through this process, you hang on to that dream and sometimes you white-knuckle it and God says, no, give it back to me, give it back to me. He's calling you maybe in 2015, give it back to him. It may be your marriage, it may be a child, it may be um, some area in your career, it may be you're looking for your soulmate. I don't know what it is, but he's saying, give it back to me, give it back to me. But God, God, sometimes, guess what, even in that process, what God is doing is preparing you to be able to receive that. He's doing stuff inside you. He's doing stuff inside us. And sometimes, guess what, you suffer. Mary suffered. Was it, Was Mary the fault of that? Guess what? Jesus said, sometimes you step into your self-denial brings suffering. And it's not about you. It's redemptive. In fact, guess what? That's the most we can be like Jesus. So It doesn't mean we go out and we try and create suffering. It means that when those situations come as we follow and pursue God, that suffering comes. It means that God will use that to touch someone else's heart. Because Jesus suffered and died and saved anyone who would put their faith in him. To so your dreams may have a change of plans, but God's dream for you fulfills a far greater purpose, fulfills a much greater promise than you could ever imagine or dream. And one of the last areas that I'll share with you is fears. We give our brokenness... You may be giving your dream to him, and I don't know what that looks like, but you may also be giving your fear. And what I found in doing this is all three of them get tied up together. What's your fear? Let me ask you really an honest question that you just ask yourself. Maybe you want to talk to someone else about this. What keeps you up at night? What's your greatest fear? Jesus looks at a whole group of people and says, Come to me, all you who are weary and and heavy burdened, all you who are wasted in full fear. Guess what? You're not to carry that. I want to carry that for you. And what that means is you may have to move out of some strategies of the way that you've learned to live to protect yourself or maybe the way that you're trying to get something to happen. I don't know what it is. You may, you, you may have grown up in a situation where you've had to manipulate to make something happen and God's saying, quit it. Right now, stop it. Trust me. You may have grown up learning how to move to self-pity to get what you want. This is another form of manipulation. To get what you want and God said, stop it now. Trust me. I mean, there's all kinds. Of, you may have learned how to, to complain and to gossip and do things like that because that's just the way you release and God says stop. Because those are all kind of safety, the kind of valves that, you, that, are, that are not of God. They're sinful and they're, they're, what they end up doing is they shut off your ability to let God work because the way that God wants to work is for you to trust him and he wants you to follow him which may mean that you may have to deny yourself. It may mean that in a situation you're going to have to look at all the things that you're afraid of and say, God, I'm going to let you take care of this. I'm going to walk through this. And if there's suffering in store, I guess that's part of what I signed up for. It wasn't pie sky in the you know, pie in the sky, by and by. Now, I, I realize this isn't a great message that 2015. It wasn't kind of like... Like best of the person didn't want to hear the word surrender, didn't we all kind of like, let's be joy. This is the most hopeful message I could give. Because when you come to the end of yourself and you let it go, you come into the very beginning and fullness of God. What a better place to be. So I'm going to ask us in, in a moment. We're going to have this team come and we're going to sing. But I want you to be praying as we go through this next week. As some of you will be just praying. Some of you may fast and pray. I don't care how God wants to work for you, but I'm going to ask you to be engaged in some way. On Wednesday, if you want to be a part of 6, noon, and 6, we'd love to pray with you. On Saturday, if you want to come here and just pray from 6 to 6, even for 15 minutes, just to stop in is fine with us. And we want to come together that night and just pour out our hearts in and confession and repentance. And say, God, do a work here. As Tim leads that service, I ask you to come and just pour out your hearts to God. So that we on Sunday can come and say, "God do a work in us." We're coming with open hands, and come with open hearts.